We've been considering how it is that the Apostle Paul prays for Christians and how the Apostle prays for Christian churches. Uh, What are the things that are a priority for him when he gets on his knees to pray and when he has in mind people just like you here? Christian believers drawn together into a local church. Uh, What are your great spiritual needs? Well, the Apostle provides us with much insight into these things in terms of the things that he prays about for people just like you. Uh, Surely if he were around in our day or if we had been around in his day, we would be the recipients of his prayers and these would be the things he'd be praying for you. These would be the things he'd be praying for us as a local church. And... I find it very helpful as a church pastor to to look into these prayers to be reminded of what truly the priorities are. Because sometimes we can convince ourselves that there are priorities which aren't priorities at all. Not as far as God is concerned and not as far as Christ, the head of the church, is concerned. What Paul prays for, the kind of man he is on his knees before God as he prays for the Lord's people. That's when you begin to find out what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a local church. But are you even a Christian? Because we're talking about how Paul is praying for Christians and how Paul is praying for Christian churches. But are you even a Christian? The passage we're looking at is verses 9 to 14. I want to begin at the end. I want to just pause before we get into the kind of the things that are really applicable for us as Christian people in terms of going on. Let's, let's just pause and remember where we began because we don't move on from where we begin. And some of you perhaps might not yet have even begun. Let's think about the qualification. What does it mean to be a Christian? What is the qualification? Well, we see in verses 12 to 14 that it's something God has done. God has qualified you. Now, this is a rather strange concept. Because in life, in this world, we are generally used to qualifying ourselves, aren't we? Some of you this year will be doing important exams at school because your teachers and to some extent your parents have told you that it's important to get qualifications. Some of you, you're at university because you want to qualify yourself for something. Some of you have been studying in that field for many, many, many years and you're still in the process of becoming qualified and we're used to the theory and the principle of qualifying yourself you do it you study you graft you work hard you get the piece of paper that says you've done it and you are qualified you did it no one can do it for you 
let's, we've got quite a few medics in the congregation. You, you can't get someone to go to medical school for you and get the qualification for you. You have to go there and do it yourself. You would be horrified if you went and saw a GP and discovered that they'd never set a foot in medical school. No, someone's done it for me. Um, they've, they've, they qualified for me. I've just got the piece of paper now. You'd be out of that surgery door in a shot. If you're going to apply for a job, if you're filling out your CV, what does the employer want to know? What are your qualifications? Here is my list of achievements. Here's the things that I've done. Here are the things that I have passed the test in. Do you want to drive a car? Well, do you want to drive a car legally? You have to sit an exam. You have to get in the car and pass the test. You have to show that you've got this little licence that says you are qualified to drive that vehicle. You have done it because you qualify yourself. That's how it works in the world. It's not how it works in the church. You don't get into the church because you somehow have managed to qualify yourself. God has qualified you. It's a unique concept in many ways. But isn't it a wonderful one? Paul gives thanks to the Father every time he brings to his mind's eye Christians and Christian churches. Because what does he see? He sees people who the Father has qualified to be there. Uh, let me give you a little challenge. Uh, when you're lying in bed tonight, before you go to sleep, in the darkness, think about this. God has qualified me. There is nothing I could ever have done, ever, to make myself right with him. There is nothing I ever could have done to put myself in the place that God has put me in Christ Jesus. God has done for me that which I could never have achieved. God has qualified me. Why am I a Christian? God has qualified me. Why am I in a local church? Because God has qualified me to be there. Why is it that when we celebrate the Lord's table, I can partake of the bread and the cup with real, earnest, heartfelt thanksgiving in my soul for what Christ has done for me? Why am I like that? Because God has qualified you. God has done it. Lie in bed and think about that tonight. I guarantee it'll put a smile on your face. God has done it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? It goes completely against the world, where it's all about qualifying yourself. Look at me. Look at what I've done. The Christian faith. Look away to Christ.
Look at what he's done for you. Qualified. God has qualified you to be the Christian that you are. He's done it all for you. What's he done? Well, in a few short words, the Apostle Paul covers an amazing amount of ground. We're not going to go into it in any great detail, but you could preach a whole series just on these couple of verses. Partakers of the inheritance. He's qualified you to inherit something in the future that will last for all of eternity. It's something you you never could have earned. It's something you can never buy. God has written your name on a will. And he's named you as a beneficiary. And he's qualified you to be there. And it's yours, guaranteed in Christ Jesus. A wonderful inheritance for all eternity. And not only that... You, you see there that he's qualified you to be named amongst the saints. He's qualified you to bear the name of Christ. He's qualified you to be one who is a follower of Christ. He's qualified you as one who has every, every legitimate right to sit amongst the Lord's people. And to know that you are amongst your brothers and sisters. He has done that for you. And in you and to you. And he's put you into the light. You used to be in the darkness. More than that says the Bible. You actually used to be darkness. But now he's made you light. He's qualified you to be there. He's put you there. He's delivered you from the power of darkness. There was something that held a sway over your life that you could never, ever have broken away from. You could never have set yourself free. You could never have broken the chains. The power of sin and darkness was so strong over you, you could never have broken free. But Christ has qualified you to be set free from all of that. How has he done it? He's done it through his blood. He's translated you into the kingdom of the son of his love. God has said, you're no longer a citizen there. Now, you are a citizen here. He's qualified you to be a citizen in this place. Now, if you want to move to the UK from another country and you want to become a British citizen, there are all kinds of things that you have to do to prove that you have the right to stay here and there are things that you have to show in order that you can become qualified to stay here. But it's all down to you. And Paul is reminding us here that if you have been brought into this glorious kingdom, if you have been granted this wonderful new citizenship, It's because God himself has qualified you to be there. He's done everything you need in order that you can be part of this great new kingdom of the son of his love. Because he's redeemed us and bought us. He's paid this wonderful price at Calvary, paying in full the penalty for all of our sins, setting us free from sin's dominion, breaking Satan's shackles which held us so strong and so sure. But Christ has broken it all. We have the assurance of sins forgiven. 
And God has qualified you to be his child by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you have this great qualification which is nothing to do with you but it's all of God. You have this wonderful qualification which is not something that you have earned or achieved because you never ever could. But upon the merits of Christ and everything that Christ has done God has been pleased to completely change your status in his sight. To completely change how you stand before him. To look upon you in a completely new way. No longer a stranger. No, not, no longer an enemy. But now his child. You have a certificate that says now you've been adopted into his family. And he's qualified you for that as well. Have you been qualified? If you're striving to qualify yourself, stop. Because you can't. It's the work of God in his grace. And everything that you need is mentioned in those couple of verses there. Everything that Christ Jesus has done for you as a sinner is all mentioned in those verses. All the truth that you need to know about in terms of coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's all summarized in those verses there of what God has done for you in order that you might be qualified to be his child. And he's done it all for you by his grace. And he offers it as a gift. And by faith you may take hold of it. And know that Christ is yours. Are you qualified? Only through Christ. And these are the ones who Paul is writing to to encourage you, to edify you, to build you up in your faith because you've been qualified by God forever. There's no other message like it in the whole world. There's no other religious system like it in the whole world. In every other religious system, you have to qualify yourself. It's all about you and your effort, your achievements, your attainments. But here's the glorious message of the gospel. That God will qualify you himself to take your place amongst the Lord's people. So there's a glorious qualification. And as we've seen already in Paul's prayers, it's all of God. And that's why Paul gets down on his knees and gives God thanks. how we need to be more thankful if only we could get a greater grasp in our hearts and in our minds of what it is God has done for us in Christ Jesus well now how does Paul continue to encourage Christians those who are qualified what does he do well two things that he continues to mention as he talks about his prayer life for these Christian believers. Uh, first of all, in verse, verse 9 through to verse 10, 
that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, I think if you've been paying attention in this little series so far, uh, you'll see that the little phrases used at the end of verse 9 and at the end of verse 10 are quite familiar words to us by now. Uh, we actually saw them in Philippians this morning. It shouldn't surprise us, and actually it should greatly encourage us, shouldn't it, to see that as the Apostle Paul talks to different people about the things that he prays about, we see common themes occurring. If Paul was constantly praying about all kinds of very different and bizarre things, then we'd actually start to get quite worried. But he isn't. There, is, there are common themes that keep cropping up again and again and again, because all of the Lord's people all need the same thing. And he mentioned these, mentions these great, great themes. And he talks there about the, the importance of being filled with knowledge and wisdom and understanding. We've seen that already. And then he talks about being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. We've seen that already. But then there is another little phrase in the middle of those two things, isn't there? That you may have a walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. And here is another little angle and another different emphasis that Paul prays for believers in a Christian church. Our corporate life together in seeking to do good to one another is because of what God has done in us to qualify us. And on account of that, Paul prays that their lives might be a faithful reflection and a faithful representation of what God has done and will continue to do. That these believers will bring no shame upon the name of Christ whose lives, as we saw this morning, are sincere so that their lives can be said to be worthy of God. That they are worthy to bear the name Christian. What a prayer that is. That in, in every aspect of your life as a Christian believer, that you are worthy to bear the name of Christ amongst your friends at school, amongst your peers at, at university, amongst your colleagues at work, that every time you speak, you're someone who is worthy to bear the name of Christ. How we need that, that kind of prayer for us, that you're worthy to bear the name Christian. Never bringing any shame or disrepute to Christ or to Christ's church. He prays that their lives might fully please God. That God might be pleased in every sphere of your daily living. Now as we saw this morning from Philippians about not being satisfied with a that will do mentality but instead striving for excellence in spiritual and moral things, we see that Paul does not pray that your life and mine would please God. He prays that your life would fully please God. And that word fully makes all the difference, doesn't it? 
that your life would fully please God. So there's no little area in your life where you keep God out. And in every area of your life, you seek to do that and think that and be that, that God would have you be as a Christian man or woman or boy or girl. But to do that, you see, you need knowledge and understanding. Now, imagine you started a new job. And your boss says to you, in three months' time, you're going to have an assessment. And we'll decide how you're doing. And we'll appraise you. Now, the very first thing you want to know is, okay, so what am I expected to do? At that three-month assessment, what are you going to be assessing me on? What are you going to be appraising me about? Where is my job description? Tell me what you are expecting of me. So that when we get to that assessment, I, I know what things are about. Because without that kind of knowledge, well, you're just grasping for the air, aren't you? You need that kind of knowledge right at the start. So that you can actually set about doing what your boss expects you to do. And so you need that knowledge, you need that understanding. And as Christians, you need to know what it is that God requires of you. Because he's qualified you to be a certain type of person. He's qualified, to, he's qualified you that you might live a certain type of life. And so you need to know what that is. You need to know what God's will is for you. You need to know what is right and proper for a Christian in all kinds of different circumstances. And to know those things which are not right and proper for a Christian. You need clear principles that you can live by. Clear principles that you can apply to all kinds of different circumstances. You need help in all the choices that you have to make every single day. As one who is a follower of Christ. So you need to know what these things are. And that's why they're mentioned first. Knowledge and understanding, you need that. Are you taking regular steps so that you know what it is that God requires of you? So that the scriptures might examine you to see that you are in every sense in the faith. Do you take time to examine yourself in the light of scripture? This is what it means to be a Christian man or a woman. Now, how, how am I? And, and humbly before the Lord, allow the scripture to search you. We sing that hymn, don't we? Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Do you check your motives and your desires when you're making choices? Do you take time to check upon your affections and your, your desires with all the different things that come your way in life? And in the words that Paul uses as he prays, we can see that we need to pray for one another that this transforming power by which God has taken hold of us, by which God has called us to Christ, that that same power might so thoroughly change us that the very fabric of our nature is completely changed.
Paul's prayer encourages us to see that the great burden of our hearts as we wake and get out of our beds every morning must be this. Oh, that I would live worthy of the Lord today. Oh, that people would see in me a life that is running to a completely different agenda to everybody else. That people would see in me a life that is running to an agenda that is totally different to theirs. That in all that I think and all that I do, my one chief desire is that in my life I would please the Lord. That his smile is on me. In all of my thought life, in every word that comes from my mouth, everything that motivates me, every decision that I take, every, every, everything that I prioritize throughout this coming week, that in all of these things, the Lord would be pleased with everything about me. That's what Paul is praying for these Christians and for these churches. Because God wants you to live in a certain way as his child. He wants you to live in a certain way in your home and amongst your neighbours and at work and at school or uni. Wherever you are, God wants you to be living in a way that is fitting for one who knows and loves him. And he wants you to walk Walk, steady, regular, consistent, walking with Christ. Walking, walking, walking. Now, of course, at times Paul talks about running. It's very helpful when he talks about walking. Talk to me about running and I'm thinking of something that's probably going to last about 10 seconds. But I can walk and I can keep on walking. As a Christian, the Lord wants you to walk. Keep on walking. You might be thinking, oh, I, I, I can't sprint. No, you don't have to. You have to walk. And keep on walking. And there's a, there's a pattern no, walk, grow. That's the pattern across those verses as Paul is praying. No, walk, grow. If you don't take anything else away from this evening, take this away. No, walk, grow. Know what it means to be a Christian. Know what God requires of you as his child. Know what it means to live as a follower of Christ. Then walk. Do it. Be it. And then grow. And mature. And keep on. That's what Paul prays for Christians. That's what you should be praying for everyone else here on a regular basis. That we might all do this. Once you've grown some more you will know some more. Once you know some more, you can walk some more. And as you keep on walking, you'll keep on growing. And as you keep on growing, you'll keep on knowing. And so it goes on and on and on. 
know and walk and grow. If you can't pray anything else for your brothers and sisters in Christ this week, pray for that. Bring them into your mind's eye. You, you might not know everyone's individual circumstances, all the ins and outs. And to some degree, you really don't need to, do you? Pray this. Bring that person to your mind's eye. Maybe the person sat in front of you right now, the person sat to your side. Oh Lord, help them to know. Help them to do what they need in order that they might know and grow in knowledge. Oh Lord, help them to walk. Help them to keep on walking. Walking a life of integrity as a Christian. Surely there must be many, many things that make that hard. Surely there are many things that are warring against them. Oh, help them to keep on walking and to do it in a way that is worthy of the name of Christ and help them to grow. What a difference that will make in the life of our fellowship if we pray nothing else for each other but that. Walk worthily to please the Lord. And then finally, what does Paul pray for? Verse 11. For strength to endure. With joy. Don't forget the joy. Strength to endure with joy. Strengthened with all might. According to his glorious power. Well, here's a theme we've seen before in Paul's prayers. The power of Christ that you need. For all patience, a better word really, is endurance with long suffering, with joy. Living the Christian life is not difficult. Living the Christian life is impossible. The Christian life does not come with a promise of ease. It will be hard. You do not have it within yourself to live as a Christian. You do not have anything within you which is of yourself which you can tap into. There's no hidden power source within you that you can release somehow. Lots of people in the world teach that kind of thing. You've just got to find what's hidden within you and you can do it. Just get it out. No, nothing. You need a power and a strength that you do not have. Not of yourself. It's not of you. But God gives that which you need. God gives might and strength. And he does put it within you, but only in the sense that it is Christ in you who is your power and your strength. And that is part of the qualifying that God does within you in making you his own. And we saw in Ephesians last week that this power that Paul is talking about is the very power that raised Christ from the dead. So there is a sense that you have it already, if you're a Christian, because you have within you the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ. You have that which you need. It's not of you, it's of God. But it's something that 
Paul makes clear from his prayer, it's something that we need to pray over. It's something that we need to pray for one another, that we might all live daily in the experience of it, that we might know and experience God's power in our lives and know the, the strength of his might, that in our great weakness we might see that in him we have that strength that we need and we need endurance. Well, it was the London Marathon this morning. It makes me feel tired just to watch them. Some ran it in under three hours. Now, if you can do a marathon in under three hours, that's some going. There is one person at the back who can run that fast. Uh, We send Peter out on our behalf to do that kind of thing. Uh, There's probably quite a few who needed more than six hours to complete that marathon today. There's probably quite a few who didn't complete it at all. Have you seen that woman? She's been on the news a few times recently who's paralysed and she wears this robotic suit in order that she can walk and, and she walks marathons. It takes about 10 days to do it. But she endures and she finishes the race, doesn't she? You see, it's the enduring that matters, isn't it? It's the enduring that matters. When that woman finally finishes her marathon walk, she probably gets a bigger reception than the person who ran the fastest. Because it's enduring that matters. Paul prays to the Lord for Christians like you and me. Oh, grant them that which they need that they might endure. Oh, Lord, keep them. Keep them. Because you and I can't keep ourselves but God can keep you. Pray. Pray. Some get to the end of the marathon and they look like they've just run 100 yards to catch the bus. Others collapse on the ground and you wonder if they're ever going to stand again. Each of us face all kinds of hardships and difficulties which, that, which take their toll on us as the Lord's people in many different ways. Some of you are the only Christian in your home. And compared to many others here, it's hard to be a Christian at home. If you know someone like that, do you pray for them? That they will have the strength in Christ that they need to endure? Some of you face all kinds of ridicule from your classmates at school. Because they think that being a Christian is the most ridiculous and foolish thing they've ever heard. Do you pray for them? That in that heat from their peers, God will give them the strength to endure? Some of you are under pressure at work and sometimes it's considerable pressure to conform with standards and practices which go against your conscience as a believer. Some of you have inner turmoils of heart and soul and some of you feel guilty because of the way that makes you feel. Some of you are battling a particular temptation to sin and you wonder if you'll ever defeat it. Those kinds of people are sitting all around you right now. 
you need to pray for them like Paul prayed. Oh Lord, that we might have the strength to endure, the strength to go on, that we will find in Christ that might that we do not have. Because we have this assurance, you see, that the one who has qualified us is the one who will equip and who will provide. Pray for one another that we might be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power and that we might know it and live it. And that next week when we gather, people will arrive with great joy. Not because God has removed that difficulty from them. Not because God has made it easy for them. But because God has answered your prayer. And he did strengthen them. And they have endured it. And they've got through the week. And here they are again. Ready to worship and praise. And the Lord made it possible. And despite all the heartaches and all the frustrations and all the difficulties, they have walked worthy of the Lord this week. They have lived a life, a life which has been pleasing to God. And it's all because he has strengthened them in their weakness. And he has made known to them his glorious power and he's kept them and sustained them with joy with joy is this how you pray this needs to be how you pray because those people are sitting all around you in this room this evening a person like that is standing right in front of you right now I'm no superman I'm no super christian I need to be strengthened with his glorious power just as much as the rest of you. Perhaps even more so. So pray. You don't need to know the ins and outs of everyone's personal situation. You can still pray for them. You can name them before the Lord and pray for them that they might know, that they might walk that they might grow, and that they might know the glorious power of Christ in their life this week. And even in the face of great difficulty, do it with all joy. In all these things, with all of these blessings, how can we ever find ourselves in the position where we're wondering what we have to thank God for? And what can I possibly pray?